Blog Talk Radio. This is a post time with Mike and Mike production. Wiglet, Jiglet, what a race! Always be Mickey on the outside. Always be Mickey. They're off and it is on. And betting line has taken the lead. Two, two, boom! You're tuned in to Harness Racing's fastest 90 minutes post time with Mike and Mike, with co-host Mike Carter. Believe in the spirit? Do you believe in miracles? And Mike Bozen. Smoking Gun Shaman Hall production. Smoking Gun is flying. Here comes Smoking Gun. I don't know. That just happened. That just happened. Touch that dial. You've got another edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike presented by Bet America. Mike Carter alongside of Mike Bozich. And boy, do we have an action-packed show for you here this morning. Uh, lots of uh, lots of interesting stuff uh, going on in the harness racing world this week, Mike. And we're going to talk about one of the hot, hot stories coming up here in just a little bit. That's right. And, of course, the hottest story of all is that you're 30. <laughs> <laughs> Happy birthday! I, I, I wouldn't you, call that the hardest, huh? I said happy birthday to you, my friend. <laughs> Appreciate it, buddy. I wouldn't necessarily call that the hottest story. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, I, I feel uh, feel another year older. And uh, listen, when I go umpire baseball or you know go work out, I definitely can tell I'm not uh, not 29 anymore. That's for sure. Absolutely. Age is just a number, my friend, but uh, nonetheless, happy birthday. But Mike, you know, I, I think uh, you've got it right. I mean, this is going to be a can't-miss episode of Post Time with Mike and Mike presented by Bet America. I think the harness racing world has kind of been turned upside down a little bit by the new standard-bred racing integrity and accountability initiative, a.k.a. the uh, WEG slash Garral rule. Of course, we're going to get into that in a big way here on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike. Uh, about uh, towards the top of the hour, maybe around 10.50 or so, the chairman of Woodbine Entertainment Group, uh, Clay Horner, is going to be joining us. Uh, he's kind of the brainchild of this uh, rule, and he's going to tell us a little bit more about it. Plus, uh, there's kind of a a rumor going around and we don't know if it's true yet but i guess we'll find out at 10:50 that there's some tweaks being made uh to this very rule but obviously this mike is the talk of social media it's the talk of twitter it's the talk of facebook there have been a lot of discussions uh, pros and cons about this rule and i guess mike the good thing i mean if you just want to look at it and take it uh on you know take it at face value and not really pick a side on it but it's really good to see the integrity of our sport take the front page. It's really good to see it being discussed. And I think that one of the things that everybody can agree on, uh, agree on Mike, is that the, the bull, the, somebody's got to take the bull by the horns. I mean, there has to be some kind of integrity initiative. Maybe this isn't the perfect rule, Mike, but I do think it's a darn good first step. 
Yeah, definitely. I think it's a step in the right direction. And uh, obviously, uh, we talked a little bit about uh, these, this rule off the air. And, um, you know, it, there's some tweaks that need to be made. There's some things that need to be done to it. But I think uh, as far as an initiative standpoint is concerned, it's a, a good step in the right direction. Well, certainly. And I think that, listen, if you're a trainer out there, if you're an owner out there that's doing nefarious things, I mean, you're put on notice, quite frankly. I mean, something is going to be done. I mean, whether this rule is going to be uh, out there or not, there is something that's going to be done to kind of thwart your ways and ensure that integrity is a big part of the sport of harness racing. And I think, uh, like I say, it's a, it's a step in the right direction. Um, you know, what kind of uh, legs is this rule going to have? We're going to find out at about 1050. And there, this rule does have some detractors, Mike. I mean, we had a chance to talk with John Boot and Shane. That was a taped interview that we did yesterday. That's going to air on this program a little bit past the top of the hour. And John brings up some great points as well. I mean, you know, if if you're looking at it from an opposing, opposing point of view, there are some definitely some good points that, uh, you know, that the detractors make, Mike. Yeah, there's an argument on both sides, that's for sure. I mean, you know, I've been watching the uh, Facebook and Twitter fights uh, go on, and, and yeah. what intrigues me is some of the, you know, is the responses that we're, we're seeing from some of the people in the sport who are giving constructive responses. I think those are the most helpful responses that we have out there. Um, there have been a lot of constructive responses with a lot of great um, in them. Uh, obviously, Howard Taylor wrote a letter uh, to Harness Link last night. Um, that came out. Uh, I got a chance to read that. I read it a couple of times, actually. Uh, and it was uh, good stuff. Some of it good. Uh, others of it, uh, you know, take it for what it's worth. But uh, it's really going to be interesting to see uh, what comes forward for this rule. Yeah, and Anthony McDonald wrote a letter, too. And we, we might even, uh, you know, take a look at those, read those couple letters here in just a couple of minutes in case anybody has missed it. Uh, you know, everybody's kind of writing a letter, Mike, and that, you know, and, and really it steals the thunder away from your 30th birthday because I really thought today everybody was going to be writing about your 30th birthday. Mike Carter turns 30. I thought that was going to be the big storyline, but no, Mike, you got one up. Well, listen, if everybody's writing letters, I'm writing a letter to you. How about that? I'm going to write a cease and desist letter to you. How about well, you that? Know, you, you know what? The good thing is, is the art of letter writing is still alive and well. <laughs> <laughs> well, 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 listen, you know, I'm, I'm going to write a cease and desist letter. You're going you're gonna to like this. I'm going to write a cease and desist letter to you to stop using the word Mike. You know, you, you, you know just because it's, it's mine. You know, it's my 30th birthday. I can do that. That's right. It's your 30th birthday. You can do whatever you want. Be, <laughs> what's, what's that old song? It's your birthday and you can cry if you want to. Yeah, that's, that's Luckily, I have good friends like you. So, uh, listen, uh, you know, it's uh, – you know, it's going to be a good show, and listen, it's going to be a good day. I'm, I'm positive it's going to be a good day. The sun is finally out, and guess what, Mike? The temperature decided to skyrocket on my birthday, so you know what? I'm in good shape. Maybe I'll go swimming in the lake. Yeah, this weather's crazy. It's supposed to be 60 degrees here tomorrow, and obviously it's supposed to rain, so I guess that's going to take a little bit of the fun out of it. But, boy, we had a cold snap there for a while. Obviously, a lot of the tracks canceled as well, especially on the East Coast. I know you guys had a cancellation a couple of days ago, and the weather's just really been playing havoc with the, the sport of harness racing. Well, listen, we, we, you, the big problem we've got is tomorrow it's going to be 50 degrees in the morning and 12 at night. So uh, obviously, uh, and we're expecting a lot of ice and a lot of snow. Uh, Buffalo Raceway, uh, it's come down through the uh, grapevine that they have canceled their live weekend opener 
uh, coming up this weekend at Buffalo Raceway. They'll kick off their 2018 season uh, next week um, on Wednesday, uh, the 17th. So uh, some cancellations already starting to roll down the grapevine. And uh, listen, stay tuned to our social media, and we'll try to keep you updated on all of them. Yeah, well, you know, the big thing, and we talked a little bit about this, Mike, is, you know, when you get to a point to where it's get, it gets warm and then it gets cold and then it gets warm and then it gets cold, above freezing, below freezing, you know, it plays havocs with track conditions all over the place. And, you know, I think, oh, I think Mike, a lot, yeah, and Mike, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that these track crews put this material in to try to keep it from freezing. And then when you get the thaw, it just, it completely plays havoc. Well, we talked about this a little bit in our staff meeting at Northfield on Monday, and basically, I mean, there's nothing that a track crew can do no. to, to fight this. There's absolutely not. There's a lot of things that the track crews can do um, to kind of uh, get things together, but there's absolutely nothing anybody can do to uh, to you know prevent from the thaw uh, the thaw problem that they've got. And half the problem with the thaw is the tracks just fall apart; they just can't handle it. And uh, like we said before, you know, the, the track crews, you know, they do the best they can. But uh, in some situations, there's just not a whole lot they can do. Yeah, make sure you follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook. We'll try to keep everybody abreast of some of the cancellations coming up this weekend, if any. I know I think we're going to be good on the East Coast. Uh, the Meadowlands getting ready for a big weekend of racing. Uh, I What's the weather up in Canada? Because I think Woodbine, somebody was saying that Woodbine may be in jeopardy. Uh, yeah, tonight. I think I think we're all in the same. I think we're all in the same boat. Uh, the Woodbine tonight uh, is expecting uh, unusually warm temperatures, so that's uh, that's going to be interesting uh, for any of those playing uh, Garnett Barnsdale selections off of the uh, Daily Racing Forum website. Um, you know, you may want to watch out for that. Uh, I actually checked out his uh, Pick Five play tonight, Mike. It's uh, like a nine dollar ticket. It's a repeat, repeat, wow. repeat ticket. All right. Sounds good. Make sure you check that out as well. Well, what else we got on this show today? We're going to hear from our good friend at Hawthorne. I think, uh, yep, I see that area code, 708. That can only mean one thing. Jim Miller will be on the program. We're going to talk a little bit about Hawthorne race course. They just had a triple dead heat a couple of days ago, so we're going to talk to Jim about that. Uh, we're going to see how the uh, the opening weekend of the Hawthorne meet went. Plus, Mike, a lot of people may not know who Musanchik is unless you're from the state of Michigan, but our Inside Handicapping segment is going to return. Moose Zanchik will be joining us. Moose is a, a great handicapper, and he's also the head of the band Moose and the Sharks. And, Mike, they are up. Uh, they have been nominated for the Michigan Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So congratulations to uh, Moose and the gang. And uh, Moose is a great handicapper, Mike. I've had a chance to sit with him plenty of times at Hazel Park. And, and he's got a kind of a weird way of constructing his exact to try and super tickets, a very unorthodox uh, way of handicapping and constructing tickets. So we're going to get into uh, that with him as well on this very special edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike. And it all starts next. And it's presented by Bet America. Now at Bet America, every track is a bonus track. Earn rewards points for every wager you make on every track. We also offer more points for all exotic wagers. And don't forget about our weekly promos. Check our calendar to see how you can earn double points on featured tracks and races. Sign up for Bet America today to start earning points and get up to a $400 bonus with our new 200% deposit match. See our website for reward points, state restrictions.
Here at The Stable, our mission is to provide fair market for owners of yearlings while giving investors the most informative way to purchase all of or part of a horse. The Stable will cater to all budgets by having an open fractional buying market and a flat rate billing system. At The Stable, we aim to minimize the risk in buying and maximize the benefit of selling. Visit thestable.ca or give Anthony McDonald a call at 519-400-4263. That's 519-400-4263. It's thestable.ca. Embroidery Unlimited is a premier provider of quality embroidery, screen printing, and promotional products. Our commitment to quality and pride in our work is second to none. We focus on quality and customer service. For all of your stable or business needs, Embroidery Unlimited is the number one provider in harness racing. Give Jim Winsky a call at 508-485-5522. That's 508-485-5522. Or visit them on the internet at EmbroideryUNL.com. That's EmbroideryUNL.com. Embroidery Unlimited. We're back on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Mike Carter alongside of Mike Bozich. And we're joined now by Hawthorne's own Jim Miller. And I'll tell you, Jim, between Northfield and Hawthorne, I think we've been uh, pretty much dead heat city. We had a triple dead heat for show. Then you guys chime in with a uh, one-upper with a triple dead heat for win. And then last night we had a dead heat for win and a dead heat uh, for fourth. So, uh, listen, we, we got some competitive racing going on between the uh, two tracks. Yeah, and I'll tell you guys, first off, Michael Carter, happy birthday to you today. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, you, looking sir. at the, uh, <laughs> looking at how things are going here at Hawthorne, it, it has been. And, and the good thing about it, it means that we have competitive racing. But Sunday night, I'll tell you, that, that was one for the history books because it, it was a, a good night of racing overall. There wasn't a whole lot of competition out there, so a lot of the focus was on Hawthorne. And the eighth race on the card, we had a really nice race, too, with a dead heat for victory. And then all of a sudden, you come back in race number 10, snow's falling, you have a field of trotters. They're two lengths from front to back in the field of nine, and three of them put their noses right on the wire at the same time. That's good stuff. That is great stuff. And, and, and by the way, you know, if Mike Carter ever makes it out there, you got to put a $5 voucher or something aside for his 30th birthday because, you, know, <laughs> you know, this this, this new uh, standard bread racing integrity rule is taking the thing. We were thinking his birthday was going to be headlines all over Harness Racing Media, and it just didn't work out that way. But, uh, but Jim, tell us a little bit about uh, how the meet's gone so far. I know you guys right now is the only racetrack in North America that actually has to do a track inversion, where if you go back 15, 20 yeah. years, it was kind of commonplace amongst a lot of tracks. But tell us how the track inversion went. Uh, I know what the answer to that is going to be, because Tim Becker and the gang does a great job out there, as always. But tell us how that went, and tell us how the meet's gone so far. Well, I'll tell you, for the conversion end of things, it wasn't easy by any means, guys. Uh, the, the week we had to convert the track was the worst weather week we've had in the last two years. And, and you talk about cold temperatures. We had, we had to cancel the last day of our thoroughbred meet on December 30th due to, due to extreme colds. The wind chills were about 10 below. And then temperatures never got above 10 degrees for the entire time that these guys were converting the racetrack. 
So you talk about the conversion. It's the removal of 11,000 tons of dirt, but then it's also the removal of that hubless rail. And this was a rail that was frozen into the ground, guys. So you had guys out there with blow torches, guys with jackhammers, guys with pickaxes, doing everything they could just to get the rail out. And fortunately, they did it and got it done with 24 hours to spare prior to the start of the harness meet. But then we come into some tough weather for opening weekend. But the one thing about it, our horsemen, very good. Our driving colony, very good in regards to dealing with winter weather conditions because you know what you're dealing with here in the Chicagoland area. And with all the cancellations on the East Coast, it did benefit us from a handle end of things. You saw really good figures to open up the meet. Field size was okay. And as we move into the second week of the meet here, field size really strong for this Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And as you guys know, that's the key. You want competitive racing. You want full fields. And that's going to generate good pools and good handle figures. Now, Jim, obviously uh, the track conversion uh, project uh, took some uh, took some time, and you know we we talk about that that rail uh, being probably the hardest part of uh, probably the entire track conversion. Um, when you guys go to set it back, uh, obviously, um, yep. you know, you got to deal with the hard ground. Um, is it just as hard putting it back as it is taking it out, or is it one of those things that it's kind of easier as you, the uh, season goes along? Um, it usually gets easier. It's all dependent on the weather, of course. But if things can get above freezing, like, for example, today it's 60 degrees here in the Chicago land area, and tomorrow it's going to be 20. So, really, it, it does depend on the weather. But if the weather is above freezing and that, then to get that rail back in, isn't too hard of a deal and fortunately this year we do have a little bit of time before the start of the spring thoroughbred meet the main thing is just uniformity and consistency and that's where really having this conversion helps on both end of things it helps on the end of things for the harness end just for the fact that you're able to get that track graded you're able to take that time just to make sure that things are perfect there but then when you come back for a thoroughbred racing surface you know that your base is perfectly even and consistent on the bottom the whole way around so it really does benefit those horsemen as well so the conversion is a massive undertaking. It's 96 hours of basically round-the-clock work, but it does benefit both breeds, and the fact that we're the only track left doing it here in the uh, United States is something that I, I think you hang your hat on a little bit, but it just shows the commitment that Hawthorne's made to harness racing in Illinois as well. Yeah, and you talk about uh, racing in the state of Illinois. Obviously, uh, the state of Illinois is one of those jurisdictions out there that uh, hasn't had the luxury of expanded gaming is, you know, Pennsylvania and a lot of other states have. What's, uh, what's the deal with that? Has there been any more talks about uh, perhaps getting expanded gaming in the state? You know what? There's always talks going on. There's always bills floating out there. And, and you're right. I mean, the biggest thing is just wanting to be on, on a competitive level with the surrounding states. I mean, they have great racing at Hoosier Park, and they do a great job with their race production over there. You look at Running Aces. They have gaming that's able to assist their racing, too. And for us, everything is based solely on handles. So, you look at all the different options that are out there as a possibility to at least jumpstart things and try to help for the uh, purses. And there's a few different things flown out there. There's a full expanded gaming bill. There's an electronic gaming bill. And th those are two that are kind of sitting out there in limbo. But now the discussion's taking place a little bit on, on the aspect of historical racing also, only for the fact that this has been proven to work in some other states. It comes from a paramutual aspect, with may, which may be a little bit easier for things in regards to rulemaking, dealing with the gaming board and the racing board in Illinois. And, and it's not quite as flush of money that you can bring forth with a casino, but it is something that could help boost purses a little bit too. So that, is, that discussion will start taking place in this next month on the Illinois racing board level, and hopefully it can progress from there. Because you look at tracks on the thoroughbred end like Oakland Park, they started with historical racing, and now they have a full-blown gaming operation. You see what the purses look like there on the thoroughbred end. So maybe we need to start taking baby steps and then try to work our way up to the big prize at the end. 
Now, Jim, we had Angie Coleman on uh, just a, uh, I think it was last week or the week before, and we talked a little bit about uh, some of the promotions that they were helping with. Uh, what kind of promotions do you guys have coming up, and uh, what are you guys looking forward to the most? Yeah, and well, Angie talked about the stable versus stable promotion, which is really cool, trying to get people to experience what goes on on the backside of a racetrack. And she is a great ambassador for racing, not only in the state of Illinois, but harness racing as a whole. So we are very fortunate to have Angie on our backstretch. But when you look over on the front, front side of things, we are going back with the own a horse pro- process. And the own a horse thing is something that we tried on the thoroughbred end of things. But we've teamed up with Anthony McDonald in the stable to get a couple of horses that are going to be able to come to Hawthorne, race at Hawthorne throughout the course of the summer. And we're going to give people the opportunity to own shares of that horse and they're not going to be involved with any of the expenses. So it's something to try to get some people involved in harness racing. And we're not talking just one or two winners. You're talking about at least five different winners to get these share of horses. And it's easy to sign up for. They can go to our Facebook page, sign up right there. You like or comment on any of our posts, and you're going to be in for the drawing. But really, you want to bring people out to the track, get them exposed to the sport, realize that the one benefit of having a standard bred horse is if your horse is healthy, you could be having action every single week. And that's one of the things that we want to get exposed to these people in the industry. Angie does a great job on her end, and we're trying to do the same on ours. Jim, one final question before we let you go. Um, Obviously, when you sit down to handicap Hawthorne, one of the things that you have to remember is that long quarter of a mile stretch. And it is a long, long stretch. For some people out there that may have never really handicapped Hawthorne or, or looked at Hawthorne Harness, what handicapping tips can you, uh, can you give them? Man, I'll tell you one thing. Patience is the key. And you, and you really watch these drivers. Watch a guy like Casey Leonard. Very rarely is he going to be hung out there the first over trip or hung wide through the entire turn. He'll wait until that stretch. He'll wait tucked in behind. Every once in a while, you may not find that room. But really with that long stretch, that is the key. And you get some new drivers that do come in, and they may not know – how to actually drive this Hawthorne track. So you have to watch kind of these guys that are familiar with the track, a Casey Leonard, a Mike Osting, a Kyle Wilfong, these guys that really know. And patience is going to be the key because with that long stretch, it becomes very hard to win on the front end. And that's the difference maker in a lot of tracks. You see a lot of times inside post and speed really is the key to getting the job done. Here at Hawthorne, you can be sitting sixth, seventh, or eighth at the top of the stretch and still have that chance to win. And more or less, it's just getting in the clear and then rolling home. But, but patience is the key. And just know that when you're handicapping, you don't have to look solely at speed. Look at those horses that may be able to get that good track and trip and then just see who can get clear in the lane and get the job done. Jim Miller from Hawthorne Race Course. Jim, listen, we certainly appreciate you joining us, my friend. Uh, obviously, I know you're a pretty active on Twitter. Not Maybe not so much on Facebook, but certainly on Twitter, uh, posting the winners and all that. Uh, tell people where they can follow you and remind people of uh, Hawthorne's racing schedule, if you will. Yeah, they can find, follow me on Twitter at Hawthorne Jim and stuff like our triple dead heat photo and that. I'm going to put stuff out there, results each and every night, things that I see on the racetrack throughout the course of the night so you can check me out right there and then for our racing schedule this week we're friday saturday sunday after that we go to racing thursday through sunday and we're going to sprinkle in a couple of mondays the monday after the super bowl and then monday february 19th which will be our closing night so we have a nice uh, six weeks to go here guys for the meet and then we'll be getting ready for a strong summer meet also all right good stuff jim we certainly appreciate you joining us my friend and peter galassi sounds as good as ever how's he doing uh, Peter's doing great. Health-wise, he's doing good. I mean, he, he's working hard. He doesn't want to miss a night, doesn't want to miss a race, but he's been doing very good. And uh, tell you, he's one of the best in the business. I'm partial, of course, but when a guy's called over 65,000 races, you know he knows what he's doing. 
He's a legend in the announcing business, no question about it. Jim, thank you, my friend. You got it. Thanks, guys, again. Happy birthday, Michael. Have a great day. Thanks, buddy. All right, that was Jim Miller from uh, Hawthorne Racecourse. And I'll tell you what, they have really done a terrific job. They've taken the bull by the horns. And quite frankly, they've, they've rescued harness racing in the state of Illinois. I mean, with the closure of Balmoral and Maywood Park, if it wasn't for Hawthorne, uh, harness racing in Illinois would be a memory. Yeah, Arlington and Hawthorne really took the bull by the horns to kind of team up and uh, create this initiative. And they've done a heck of a job uh, promoting racing in the uh, state of Illinois. All right, we've got the chairman of Woodbine Entertainment Group, Clay Horner, in the on-deck circle, plus uh, John Bootenshain, Moose Sanchik, and much, much more coming up. And, uh, Mike, do you want me to play the breaking news moniker? We haven't used that thing in quite a while. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. Uh, I talked to uh, Mark McKelvey uh, just a couple of minutes ago. We were talking a little bit about uh, some of the racetracks and uh, talking about track conditions and things with the warm weather. Talking to uh, Mark McKelvey, he says the uh, plan to is to uh, race tonight. Track crews hard at work. And the uh, track should be good to go. So uh, Woodbine uh, Racing is on uh, this evening at uh, Woodbine. All right. Make sure you focus your artillery on Woodbine tonight. And uh, we'll have Clay Horner coming up next on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. New Vocations Resource Adoption Program. Retrain. Rehab. Rehome. New Vocations focuses on adoption as the optimal solution for the large numbers of horses that leave the track each year. The program provides rehabilitation and transitional training to prepare the horses for a productive life beyond racing. Each horse is evaluated for temperament, soundness, and suitability to help ensure a successful adoptive match. New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program, celebrating 25 years and over 6,000 horses placed. Learn more at newvocations.org. Are you interested in learning more about owning standard bred racehorses? Do you want to experience the excitement of driving a standard bred? Owning a racehorse is a once-in-a-lifetime experience and not as difficult as you may think. The United States Trotting Association wants to help make your ownership dreams a reality. Contact a member of the Ownership Concierge team by email at owners at ustrotting.com or by calling 877-800-8782, extension 5555. Back on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Mike Bozich, along with Mike Carter. Right now, we're joined by the chairman of the Woodbine Entertainment Group, Clay Horner. Clay, welcome to the program, my friend. Uh, thank you, gentlemen. Uh, glad to be on with you. All right. Obviously, the Standard Bread Racing Integrity and Accountability Initiative has taken over the uh, harness racing headlines, all the media attention on that particular rule. Obviously, a lot of attention given to it uh, in a lot of various opinions, a lot of different opinions on social media. But uh, there's been some talks of tweaks to this rule. So before we actually get into the rule, how, how true is that? Are we tweaking the rule as we speak? Well, well, let me just say, uh, before uh, we speak about that, I uh, hope everybody focuses their artillery on Woodbine and Mohawk every night we race, uh, uh, not just tonight. So, but I appreciate that. Uh, I appreciate that reference. 
yes, we made it quite, both Jeff and I made it quite clear uh, uh, on social media and in any discussions that we've had with uh, uh, interested parties that uh, we were prepared to uh, consider changes to the rule, uh, provided uh, that they met uh, and were consistent with our core objectives and policies underlying the rule uh, as uh, you know as it as it currently stands, uh, and provided that uh, those changes would garner uh, widespread support from uh, you know the significant stakeholders uh, in the industry. And so uh, it's always important when you look at any initiative or any rule that you keep in mind uh, what your objectives are and what you're trying to accomplish. And uh, we have five principal objectives. We want to uh, improve the reputation of our elite stake races and of standard bread racing generally. Secondly, we want to foster better confidence betters confidence in our elite uh, stake races and standard bread racing generally. Uh, third, uh, we think that uh, both short-term and long-term, we want to incent good and new owners, small and large, to uh, be prepared to invest in the business with a view that it is a, a fair and good shake. And uh, if they get a horse uh, that's good enough to compete in these elite events that there will be a level and fair playing field in those events. Fourthly, although the uh, policy is really addressed at our elite stakes races, uh, we wanted to uh, have an impact on general trainer choice by owners and uh, to say to owners, it's not simply a matter of who trains your top stake horse, uh, there are going to be adverse consequences if you pick a risky trainer to train your racehorses, because if they have one of the covered positives and you own the requisite ownership interest of greater than 25% and the horse that has the positive and 25% of the stakes horse, uh, you're going to pay a price with the stakes horse as well. And you know, accordingly, it would be irrational for you to uh, continue to use risky racehorse trainers uh, at the risk that you will uh, uh, you'll wind up uh, prejudiced as far as uh, uh, stakes racing is concerned. And finally, our, our objective, and I think one of the things that's very important, maybe the most important element or principle that's behind the changes that we're proposing is that we want to reward uh, what we'll call good decision-making owners uh, rather than punish them. And we've come up with a proposed change, which we think allows us to achieve that objective and our other objectives without having to completely uh, eliminate uh, horses uh, or most horses uh, from uh, from the elite events. And uh, just to be absolutely upfront with everybody, uh, you know, we uh, put out there that we were interested in ideas. We got some ideas. We heard from some people who said, I wonder whether they're really going to listen to us. Uh, 
we were absolutely sincere about listening to people and considering what they had to say and seeing if we could make things better. And uh, yesterday morning, uh, starting at 7.30, I got on the phone uh, with uh, uh, people uh, who had uh, expressed serious reservations or outright opposition to the policy to, uh, for lack of a better word, talk about test driving, the kinds of things we would consider changing to see what their reaction was to it, get the benefit of their thinking, test whether they were good ideas, and ultimately and hopefully uh, have them tell us that uh, you know, not only as 100% of uh, people have told us that they are in favor of integrity and they are in favor of increased integrity, but, but more to the point, have them say, on those revised terms, I'm prepared to make that investment and sign on and support uh, these uh, revised uh, principles and to, re- and to support the entire program. So I, I can tell you, I spoke, uh, and I'm not going to use uh, names because that wouldn't be uh, fair to them, although a number of those people have uh, uh, authorized uh, me to disclose their names. And ultimately, if we get to a point where we're uh, uh, going to go forward with these revised proposals, which I am highly optimistic about uh, right now, uh, we will, uh, and these people have said we can disclose their names. But I spoke uh, yesterday with 10 uh, owners and trainers, all owners and trainers of significant numbers of uh, stakes horses. And I have spoken this morning with two further trainers of a significant number of uh, stakes horses and raceway horses. And I'm very happy uh, to say and very impressed to say that all 12 of those parties, when they heard the proposed changes, said, we're in. That's that's good stuff, and I'll tell you what, that's one of the things, even despite some of the opposition that we're seeing on social media, that you're, the, the transparency has been very, very good in there, and, and I think everybody can appreciate that. And the fact that, you know, harness racing integrity is being talked about, the fact that it's on the front page of all the harness racing media, I think is a great thing, too, because it's certainly an issue that, you know, we as a sport have to come to grips with if, you know, if, if we're going to grow this business and all, but, you know, one of the things, Clay, I think that, you know, you see on social media is, and, and when people read the rule, I think they, it, the actual rule gets lost in interpretation a lot for, for those people listening out there that may not have any idea of what the actual rule is. Can you touch on that? Well, I will, uh, other than that, you know, in, in respect of the areas that, uh, uh, we're discouraging or, or, or frightening to people. As I said, we're, we've got changes that, as I said, 12 out of 12 uh, significant parties, all of whom had expressed significant concern or outright opposition, have signed on to it in a very impressive way. I was, uh, uh, firstly, let me just say that uh, uh, it, the most important thing is that we get to the right and the best answer. That's always the most important thing. It's also important, however, that you get to an answer that is consistent with your principles and objectives, as I've, lined up, as I've outlined, and I'm completely comfortable that that's where 
uh, we're going to be. And like anything, we're, it's going to be better at the end of the day. It's not only going to be better because people are going to be behind it, but it's going to be better because it's actually going to be fairer uh, and less uh, intrusive than the rule as drafted. But you know, the basic rule as, as drafted was in effect saying to people, uh, you know, if your trainer has a serious positive, which was defined as a class one, a TCO2, a steroids violation, or for owners, two violations on class two, then uh, your horses that are in the stakes races are not going to be able to race in those stakes races. Uh, And obviously, uh, that was a very significant incentive to people to uh, make sure that their trainer understood absolutely clearly that their horses were not to be given such substances uh, or uh, there would be very serious consequences. I mean, almost certainly that the owner would say, you're not my trainer any longer. Uh, and uh, that uh, uh, similarly, uh, people who have uh, a suite of trainers, uh, some of whom are, we'll call the elite trainers who often have stakes horses, would also be motivated to say, about their raceway uh, horse trainers, again, you have to play by the same rules. I can't have you giving my horses these prohibited substances, or I'm going to be caused great, great damage with my most valuable horses and you know the horses that I'm proudest of that race in the in in the stakes races. Uh, and as I said, uh, I'll just say enough to say that the the core principle of the changes that we're talking about is that uh, the consequences uh, of a trainer having that uh, covered positive, firstly to say those are really quite rare. There are very few class one positives. There are more class twos, but as we said, for owners, that's a two strike uh, policy. in our view, there is absolutely no reason for anybody ever to be milkshaking horses, and it's very easy for a trainer not to milkshake a horse. So there shouldn't be any issue there with what's going on. And finally, in respect of steroids, uh, it, it's easy to say if you use steroids, you better test your horse yourself and make sure that they're not there before you race them. You know, that's something where you can easily take your own protective medicine. So we looked at that and said, we think we're talking about a relatively small universe of people, but frankly, uh, there are more of them in the race horse area, and we want to change behavior in that area and the choice of trainers in order to do that. But as I said, the core change in in our approach is to say, and I'll I'll let this much of the cat out of the bag, and it's probably the most important part of the cat being let, uh, being let out of the bag, is to say that our change will say it is only the percentage interest of the partner whose other trainer had a positive, the percentage interest in the stakes horse, that will be 
will suffer consequences as a result of that uh, you know, bad trainer positive. Uh, and the way that, and frankly, I think if we had thought of it, uh, we would have probably uh, done it at the outset. Uh, but but the, the way it would work is that, uh, you know, owner A has a class one with trainer B uh, and owns a stake horse with trainer C and partners D and E. Uh, that stake horse will, with trainer C will continue to be eligible to race uh, and the consequences of uh, owner A having that positive with trainer B is that the amount of the purse received by uh, the stakes horse will be reduced by the percentage ownership interest of that partner up to a maximum of 50%. So in a case of a partnership where there are three partners uh, and uh, you know, one of the partners has a serious positive with any tra any trainer, uh, the other horse would, if it were otherwise receiving a purse payout of a hundred thousand dollars, would receive a purse payout of sixty-six thousand six hundred and sixty dollars, and either all or most of the other thirty-three thousand dollars will go to where it ought to go, uh, which is to the owners of the other horses that earn money in the race. Now, Clay, obviously, uh, of February 15th is uh, right around the corner. Um, are you uh, feeling any pressure at this point to try to maybe firm up these rules, or are we going to be uh, looking forward to uh, something before that day? Oh, well, absolutely. It'll be well before February 15th. Uh, uh, you know, assuming that we get the, you know, assuming that the buy-in uh, comes the same way it has so far, uh, you know, we'll get right to work in uh, revising We've already obviously sketched out uh, a summary of what the proposed changes would be, but we'll get to work on the actual legal language right away. And, uh, you know, it's, it's complicated enough uh, in terms of, you know, com you know deciding what record uh, is a good enough record for a trainer or, uh, or not. And, and, you know, that requires some, you know, expert views and, and some thinking and some, some input from various people. But uh, I, I would think that we're talking about several days uh, to get to uh, you know, the finished product rather than anything longer than that. And I think ideally, again, if we get as soon as we're satisfied that we have broad enough buyout, buy-in uh, and that uh, both WEG and the Meadowlands are satisfied uh, with those changes, uh, you know, we, we would intend to put out some kind of interim statement saying, you know, we're proposing to make changes and here is the general nature of what they are. And uh, we're really gratified that our consultations with people have been so reaffirming of the confidence and uh, principle that uh, the major players in the sport have and that uh, they have shown great goodwill and hopefully they think that we've listened to what they had to say and that we are all confident that uh, not only is this revised rule a fantastic rule of which we can all be proud, 
but something that's better than where we started. Visiting with Clay Horner, the uh, chairman of Woodbine Entertainment. Now, uh, Clay, John Campbell, obviously a, a good guy to uh, have as a consultant. Obviously, he's the CEO and president of the Hamiltonian Society. And uh, he was uh, his suggestion was to kind of leave class threes and class fours out of the rule. Is, is that something that uh, maybe going forward that you would like to see added back in? Uh, I, I don't know. We'll have to see. I mean, I think the other thing that uh, John uh, said, which is, uh, I mean, John was absolutely fantastic in every respect uh, through this process. I think the other thing I would say to people, we all know how fantastic John Campbell is, but as a, uh, I, I do mergers and acquisitions uh, for a living, and I spend my time with boards of directors and, and CEOs of big companies, and I can tell people in the standard bread industry that John Campbell's transition to being an executive is just like John Campbell in his prime as a driver. He is a fantastic executive for the Hamiltonian Society and this business, and it has been an absolute pleasure to work with him. And he made the original rule much better than it was going to be uh, by virtue of his uh, experience and his observations. And one of the things that we both agreed on uh, is that, uh, you know, you don't build Rome in a day. You start off with what you think you need as the basics to get your objectives. And you have an open mind, just as we've shown through this process. But more importantly, you have an open mind going forward to say, let's evaluate and assess how it goes and make further changes as we adjust to the uh, uh, circumstances, and uh, that uh, that's what we what we intend to do, and we will and and we will see. Uh, we don't have you know, the issue of whether other classes get added in uh, to the rule is you know, frankly it's just off the table for now. We're we're working on getting a rule that's going to work for 2018. Good stuff. Well, Clay, listen, we certainly appreciate you joining us, uh, and uh, like I say, it's good to see that. Harness racing is attacking uh, in, in this, you know, the, the integrity factor and trying to, you know, make integrity at the, at the top. I mean, we owe it to the betters, we owe it to the horsemen, and, and uh, we certainly owe it to the industry. And it's great to see uh, you guys taking steps to try to assure that uh, harness racing is putting its uh, best product on the track and, uh, and you know, let, obviously let, pushing let, let, me say, let, let, me, let me say one other thing. We owe it to all of those constituencies and, you know what? We owe it to our horses as well. And uh, we should never forget that. But, uh, you know, people who put bad chemicals and poison into horses are not good people for our industry. Uh, and we, uh, we need to deal with that. And we always need to keep that in mind. The great thing is it's an extraordinary minority of people. And the greatest thing is I, I can say that, uh, you know, my father had horses, and I've been involved in the industry in that sense. I never, as my you know, profession or my job, but I've been involved as an owner for 30 years, uh, and I've been involved in the board at Woodbine for 15 years. And I will say that this has been the most affirming event I have participated in, in terms of understanding, frankly, getting to know some people I didn't know before uh, who are important players in this industry, but most importantly, 
uh, you know, realizing what fantastic, caring, good people they are who really want a better harness racing. The chairman of Woodbine Entertainment, Clay Horner. Clay, we certainly appreciate you joining us, and obviously this is something we'll follow very closely as the the sands of the hourglass kind of continue. Exactly. Thank you, gentlemen. All right, there it was, Mike Carter, Clay Horner, the chairman of Woodbine Entertainment. Uh, And, you know, like I say, I mean, if you agree with the rule, disagree with the rule, you have to appreciate the transparency. Yeah, I definitely agree with that statement. And looks looks like there's some big changes um, uh, coming to the rule to kind of firm them up before February 15th. Uh, we gave us some good information there, uh, Mike. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how uh, this all kind of takes effect and uh, where we go from here. I was dying to play that thing all day. <laughs> I was dying to play it, and now we've got a chance to play it. You've got breaking news, Mike, on Obrigado. Yeah, we're we're going to talk a little bit about Abragado, uh, the winner of the uh, Cleveland uh, Trotting Classic um, two years ago. Uh, obviously, uh, he um, was in the Cashman Memorial on August 5th of last year, and we kind of haven't seen him since, Mike. Uh, he's kind of just, uh, you know, kind of floated off the radar just a little bit. Um, he just recently had surgery and Obrigado uh, will be uh, engaged in light exercise in preparation uh, for his uh, return. Paul Kelly um, said he's just been doing some groundwork after he had some rest. He looks great, and his recovery seems to be coming along perfectly. Of course, it always helps that he's such a good patient. I would expect he is ready to begin doing just a little more, though, as he really does uh, enjoy his racing. So, uh Congratulations to the Paul Kelly group as they will bring back their star trotter, Abrogado, having arthroscopic surgery in November uh, to kind of clear up some issues. All right, good stuff. That's good news. We still have plenty left to come on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America trainer John Putin Shane. We had a chance to talk to him yesterday. We're going to kind of get the opposing view now of the. Uh, the new rule. So we're going to talk to uh, John about that. Plus Moose on check on our inside handicapping segment. Uh, the inside handicapping segment is brought to you by our good friends at Midwest Harness Report. Make sure you check them out online, MidwestHarnessReport.com. It's a fantastic ish, uh, fantastic publication. Good stuff covering uh, the sport of harness racing in the Midwest like a glove. Just good, good stuff there. So make sure you check them out online, MidwestHarnessReport.com. And Mike, we've got great weather over the weekend coming up here on the east coast which means that uh, we've got some exciting meadowlands harness racing coming up this weekend yeah we definitely uh, do and if you haven't been out to visit uh, the new meadowlands racetrack mike it's a fantastic uh, family-friendly place uh, obviously there's a uh, like a little bit of a nightclub um, inside of the meadowlands uh, this uh you know, that you need to check out as well. Also, they've got the pay off your holiday bills promotion coming up uh, this weekend. Uh, You could pay off your holiday bills uh, via an entry uh, in the clubhouse entrance and at the players club desk. Um, The first prize, uh, Mike, check this out. I'll tell you what, I might uh, have to travel for this one. They're giving out two $500 prizes, two $250 prizes, two $100 prizes, and four coals worth $50 a piece. Uh, so 10 lucky winners will be selected and it will be uh, interesting to, uh, to, you know, to kind of see if uh, this draws a little bit of a bigger crowd. Trainer John Bootenshane's up next on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike presented by Bet America. 
Now at Bet America, every track is a bonus track. Earn rewards points for every wager you make on every track. We also offer more points for all exotic wagers. And don't forget about our weekly promos. Check our calendar to see how you can earn double points on featured tracks and races. Sign up for Bet America today to start earning points and get up to a $400 bonus with our new 200% deposit match. See our website for reward points, state restrictions. Here at The Stable, our mission is to provide fair market for owners of yearlings while giving investors the most informative way to purchase all of or part of a horse. The Stable will cater to all budgets by having an open fractional buying market and a flat rate billing system. At The Stable, we aim to minimize the risk in buying and maximize the benefit of selling. Visit thestable.ca or give Anthony McDonald a call at 519-400-4263. That's 519-400-4263. It's thestable.ca. We're back on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Mike Bozich, along with Mike Carter. Right now, we're joined by trainer John Bootenshane. Trainer uh, John has uh, kind of been a critic of the new Standard Bread Racing Integrity and Accountability Initiative on social media. This is, of course, the uh, WEG slash Jeff Garrell rule. And, uh, John, let's get right to it. You kind of voiced your concerns about this new rule on social media. Let's start here. Tell us what you believe is wrong with this rule, or this rule in your opinion. Uh, I can only speak for myself and the people that I've spoken with, and it is my biggest right is the third-party liability and accountability that it holds. And and then get to thinking about it just from my own personal standpoint, what it will do to dissuade partnerships, what it will do to uh, yearling sales. I mean, and it's just, and it's just not me. Um, you know, I'm not smart enough to keep my mouth shut, and if I get ticked off, I probably should have done like Murray Brown has spoken with Mr. Simpson that said, write your letter down, wait a day, and then throw the letter away. But with uh, the social media avenues, I think a lot of people say stuff right off the get-go. Uh, I'm not a, I'm not, there's nothing that I said that I don't believe that holds true. I'm all for integrity. I can explain any issue that I've ever had in my table. There's just, with the implementation of this, if it isn't reworked to some degree, there's a lot of innocent people and a lot of people that are going to be held accountable for things that they absolutely have no control of whatsoever. And that's where my issue lies with it. Um, it's just the third-party liability. And I can go to, depends how long you want to go on this, I can go with case after case after case. Uh, the encouraging part about all of this is since this dialogue has started through emails and what I do know that uh, Jeff Burrell and uh, Clay Horner have been very responsive to the concerns that are similar or the same as mine that people have brought up the light, you know. So um, I think it's, if nothing else, it's created a lot of discussion and maybe it will achieve its end goal in trying to figure out a way for them to accomplish what they're trying to without uh, punishing innocence in the meantime, so. 
John, that's a good point. I think that you're definitely right about the dialogue. At least we're talking about it. At least it's kind of come, you know, front and center now. As before, you wouldn't see anything about, you know, integrity issues. But you know, what, do you, John? What do you say to the the uh, supporters of the rule that basically say that you know owners, uh, especially the veteran owners out there, they they know who the trainers are. They know the ones that are more likely than others to use performance enhancers. What do you what do you say to the people that? say the owners need to bear more of the responsibility when selecting a trainer? Um, there, there's two camps in that. You've got your professional owners and a majority of owners and quite a few of my owners. It's passive entertainment for them. You know, They don't want to be bothered with the day in, day out. I go to the yearling sale, they may show up and say, well, that's a pretty name. I really like that horse. Partner up on somebody and that's it. They don't want to be bothered with uh, looking to check in and see what's going on. They're they're placing their trust in me. You know, hopefully I've established enough of a reputation that if somebody comes to me, they feel safe in that. And to them, that's all they need to know, or, or that's all they want to know. I guess they need to know. You know, but then you have other owners that every, every ownership is a different degree of accountability or what. In you know. Obviously, there are certain targets probably that this rule is aimed at, and you know, target target that or target target the punishments and make it be direct punishments instead of the indirect punishment. You know, that that's my gripe, and and the way it's written, it affects my abilities, and I can use I can use specifics in cases that I know exactly. Like last year, if this rule was to be in place, I know for a fact that I have a horse that I own that I sold to. The Crawford's uh, percentage of what I owned, I used that money uh, to buy more horses and had some success and put a down payment on a house. Now, if this rule's in place and Crawford's come to me, I'm going to say, no, you can't buy that horse because you have horses with five other trainers and it opens it up to my liability, so I'm out of profit. Or my other partner on the horse says, no, you can't sell to them because we don't agree with who they used to train. Um or I just say, okay, well, we go ahead and we agree to sell to them, and for some unbeknownst reason, one of their other trainers gets a positive. Now my horse is eligible to the North America Cup is ineligible to race. You know, and then there's been, there's been, the rules are a little vague as explained, too. What happens if you have a horse that is in the North America Cup and drawn in, and somebody's horse test positive? Is there... Is there a recourt? Is it an immediate action? Is there weights of a split sample? Is it uh, nothing happens until it's adjudicated in a court of law? Um, you know, there's a lot of questions and stuff, which no, I, don't know, I don't know the answers. <laughs> All I know is it can severely, severely impact me in my business that I've established and for nothing that I've done. That's, that's what my concern is at. And I know that if you look on the social media, there's quite a few prominent owners that also feel the same way and, you know, will have to change their, their business model. And unfortunately, it probably means decreasing the involvement, you know, in 
in the industry. So visiting with trainer John Bootenshane. John, uh, a lot of I think the USDA and a lot of uh, a lot of different factions of the industry have kind of focused on trying to attract new owners as uh, a way to market the sport in a lot of aspects. Uh, and you've seen the pop up of a lot of different fractional ownerships. Uh, of course, VIP Internet Stables one, the Stable.ca is obviously a very popular one, and there are others. Do you see this rule affecting new owners who, in a lot of cases, are brand new to the game, period? Uh, I can say definitely 1,000% yes. I train horses for VIP Stable, and I've talked to the principals on that, and they're like, we can't, we can't partnership up on anybody, and how do we got to explain our rules that you know, as it goes now, if I buy a yearling or whatever, they'll take 20, 25%, 30%. Uh, you know, some of them are on the higher-end horses that were purchased outside of my stable. I know they got 10% is all, but they, you know, they're offering a venue for people that would no longer be willing to participate in for they can be caught up as an instant. You know, if I... If they have VIPS horses with Brian Brown and I get a positive and Brian is lucky enough for one of their horses to be in these races that are to be affected, they can't race. You know, who's going to invest with them? So then it becomes, is it worthwhile for them to have, instead of 40 horses, do you, if they got 20% stake, they're reducing their holdings by uh, by a fifth. You know, so now they're going to own Eight horses in totality, you know that that is not growing the business. That ain't that ain't helping anybody, you know. So I know for a fact from a VIP standpoint. I know for a fact. I mentioned this. Uh, I had dinner with the owners of the training center, Matt Carl Pinsky, and they used myself and Nifty Norman and Andy and Julie Miller as trainers. And he says, "Man, the way this rule's written, we can't afford to have partners anymore. How can how can we have partners?" He says, "One." We can't we can't be held accountable for the actions of what one of our trainers might do to affect somebody in a different stable. You know, so it's like we're going to have to pick and choose one trainer and own 100 percent of horses. You know, so now the business one of us is going to be selected, the other ones of us are going to be out, and instead of them owning horses with a multitude of trainers and percentage in other people, it's. It's 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 a consolidation. It's not an expansion, you know. So, I, like I said, I don't know what the rules are. Uh, um, I know what they're trying to achieve, but the way that it is presently structured, or as it's been explained to me, it's just a big detriment, you know. So, like I say, I, I've been very very encouraged by the receptiveness that both Jeff Carell and Clay Horner have expressed uh, through other parties that I've talked to about this. So. John, your discussion will go forward and, and help. <laughs> John, another part of this rule deals with horse transfers and, and beer trainers. So, in other words, no longer can owners move horses to other barns if, you know, they have a positive. And basically that's... Uh, what class one, class twos, TCO twos, and and uh, steroids? Did uh, you think they got this part of the rule right? Yeah, no. Um, you know, if somebody's invested in a, um, Bill Wiswell, Gene Galen, and Gene Schick, they they buy two pacing colts 
and food trotting colts a year, and they've done this for the last however many years. One of them is involved in the selection staking, which would be Mr. Wislow. The other two are very passive ownership interest in them. Uh, they want to get their weekly updates. They're excited to hear about the horses and go race. Um, if I can just use an incident this year or last year, um, I encourage people to show up at the farm. Uh, we call it the Thin Mint story. Uh, Sunday afternoon, everybody was done in the barn. We were racing at two or three different venues. There was no one around. One of the owners uh, decided to come to the barn and bring his family, which is fine, and I encourage that. Uh, Monday morning, uh, he owned part of two horses. One of the horses, uh, the group noticed that there were something in the feed tub. Um, and we thought, man, this, these look like thin mints. You know, how the hell do thin mints get in the horse's uh, feed tub? So we started making some calls and inquiries. And yes, one of the owners came out and he thought that the horses would maybe like to eat some thin mints. Uh, one didn't eat them, luckily, and they were in the feed tub. The other one, the guy said, yeah, he loved them. He ate a bunch of them. I said, well, you know, that horse is into race. Uh, tonight, which was Monday, this happens uh, Sunday afternoon, I said, I got to call the judges and see what happened. I spoke to the judges of both, and I said, well, you know, really can't risk racing them. I could come up with a caffeine, which is a class two positive. Right. Um, and this is an owner that every time I've seen him, when the USDA releases their rulings on Friday, would look at the rulings and say, yeah, look, at they got this, they got that. And, um, you know, luckily my horse was scratched. He was even money that night. Um, he did pay the week's training to the remaining partners, and, you know, it, it, it severely in, impacted him, and I think it taught him a lesson and seen how things could happen. But had both grew, or both horses ingested them and this not be known, there's no way I would have known that I how I received the caffeine positive, and it would have been listed as a Class two. And Bill Wiswell was one of the owners on that horse. So now last year we raced Dover Dan, fine-tuned lady, Bill's man. These horses were all in other partnerships that Bill had um, with other people. These horses made substantial money in the Canadian Trotting Classic, um, you know, some of the other races that this would be affected by. So how... How you can say that any horse that Bill is uh, affected and he can't sell or move, now those partners on a horse that they were partners with Bill on through no fault of his own, through no fault of mine, uh, you know, could get caught up. And now everybody's sitting on the sidelines and they can't be moved. You know, I, that's, that's not, I don't, I don't know what the fair answer is, but there's, there's just a lot of, a lot of things could happen, and it will happen. You know, it may not happen to me, but it, it could happen. You know, two years ago, there's a, a year and a half ago, a uh, Hall of Fame trainer come up with a positive that was unexplained that, according to these rules, um, would have dramatically changed the participation of some of the principals that are uh, moving this world forward. You know, so I there's there's things that just can happen, you know, but uh, yeah. to make Make me to make me responsible as a trainer. I can accept that. Uh, to make the owner responsible for that horse, I can accept that. Um, I can't accept the fact that something that happens in somebody else's stable that has horses in my stable with other partners that they're not even privy to knowing. You know, I, I don't get that, and I don't get how I can be told to tell owners who they can 
work for, not work for, or, you know, that, that's it's just, there's a lot of that, <laughs> you know. John, let's talk about what's not in the rule, and uh, I think this was kind of uh, John Campbell's doing. Of course, John Campbell, the uh, fairly new CEO and president of the Hamiltonian Society, worked as a kind of a consultant on this a little bit. Uh, class threes and class fours right now out of the rule, but uh, you know, obviously the the door is probably open for these to be added in the future, and and a lot of these class threes and class fours, according to Campbell, are uh, therapeutic in nature. Do you? Do do you believe that class threes and fours should be included in any type of uh, integrity well, I, rule going forward? I think my biggest thing is the crime or the punishment should fit the crime. You know, so there, there's a reason that drugs are classified class one, two, three, and four is because of this of the severity. I think there also needs to be some reworking as to when these things are found. There needs to be quantitative amounts. What is the exact performance affecting? That it has, um, but a, a class four is a class four drug for a reason. It, it, it's not a class one, and to group class one, two, three, four into the same ballpark just doesn't work. I mean, that's to, to tell you that we're watching the NFL and they're on the uh, forty-five yard line. Somebody jumps offside. You know what? We go to the one yard line and we start a new. Uh, it's first and goal to go from the one, just as if it was a pass interference in the end zone. I mean, is that going to fly in the NFL? You know, so I don't know how you can make all of them the same. Um, I have some reservations as to the uh, – I've never had one. I don't expect to ever have one, a TCO2 positive. Uh, according to the ARCI, that is a Class 3. Um, whenever I've worked on some different uh, committees in the past in Illinois – um, things always had to stand up to the litmus test of what it would hold up to in court. And I'm, I hope they don't take it wrong. If, I, if I'm to point out what I think could be some problems that I'm not saying they shouldn't address them, but it could open them up to some litigious avenues. You know, um, people can pick apart this rule on some avenues you know like i say so you know the guy that gets a class one is going to be treated the same as a class four if you expand it i don't think that's right John Bootenchain, one final question before we let you go. Let's uh, let's kind of uh, put you in the commissioner's chair for just a second. What would a, a John Bootenchain integrity rule entail? Well, first off, before you can have any kind of integrity rule, and, and, it's, and it's kind of an impossibility, is we need to put everybody on the same level playing field as far as what the rules are. I mean, every state, every race sex, um, you know, right now the LASIK procedures within the same states are completely different. Um, you know, we can go back to the pylon, the pylon rules now. There's been, there was, you know, quite a bit of concern and question about that earlier in the year. I said, well, if you go inside of one pylon, it's nothing, two pylons, just whatever whatever it is, which is fine, and that, that's all acceptable. The problem I have with a rule like that is nobody has placed the set distance for those pylons. If you go to Chester, the pylons are set at one distance. You go to Yonkers, they're set at a distance. You go to the Meadowlands, you're set at a distance. That is not the same. So it's like the NDA going, we're going to establish a three-point line. Everybody knows if your foot is on the line, it's a two-point or three, but what is left 
just in the pilot as an example, is for them out in Los Angeles to set the three-point arc at 17 feet in Cleveland to set it at 45 feet in Chicago to set it at 23 feet. You know, you still got a three-point line, but it's not consistent. And I think to start with any sort of integrity, you need to have consistency across the board in rulings. And that way, what happens in one place is equal to what happens in the other. Uh, you know, I think that's, that's one of the first major hurdles you need to go go after. And it's not only an on-track incident, it's, uh, it's administration of rules, it's licensing, it's, you know, it encompasses a bunch. And it's been talked about, and, you know, obviously it's not an easy fix, and I don't know how to fix it. And I've always been critical of people when I've been on the board of directors of coming to me and pointing out the problems, it's really easy to point out a problem. It's harder to solve the problem. Um, and that's what kind of the approach we take when we train horses. Don't tell me, don't tell me it can't be done or how not, is that we tried it and it can't be done. Come to me and tell me how it can be done. You know, and unfortunately when it comes to a lot of the legal stuff and what can and can't be done, I don't know how to go about it. I've tried and I've wrung my hands with the, uh, Illinois Harness Horsemen's Association and with the government appointed the IHRPP, the Illinois Harness Racing Strategic Planning Council, which encompassed uh, regulatory bodies, the racetracks and the horsemen. And, uh, you know, it just, it, it's hard to accomplish. So that would be some way to wave your magic wand and get everybody on the same, the same path. And then I think you can move forward a lot quicker. All right, John Melissa, we certainly appreciate you joining us, and obviously we'll see where this uh, new rule takes us. Best of luck in the future, my friend. All right, thank you. Embroidery Unlimited is a premier provider of quality embroidery, screen printing, and promotional products. Our commitment to quality and pride in our work is second to none. We focus on quality and customer service. For all of your stable or business needs, Embroidery Unlimited is the number one provider in harness racing. Give Jim Winsky a call at 508-485-5522. That's 508-485-5522. Or visit them on the internet at EmbroideryUNL.com. That's EmbroideryUNL.com. Embroidery Unlimited. New Vocations Resource Adoption Program. Retrain, rehab, rehome. New Vocations focuses on adoption as the optimal solution for the large numbers of horses that leave the track each year. The program provides rehabilitation and transitional training to prepare the horses for a productive life beyond racing. Each horse is evaluated for temperament, soundness, and suitability to help ensure a successful adoptive match. New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program, celebrating 25 years and over 6,000 horses placed. Learn more at newvocations.org. Are you interested in learning more about owning standard bred racehorses? Do you want to experience the excitement of driving a standard bred? Owning a racehorse is a once-in-a-lifetime experience and not as difficult as you may think. The United States Trotting Association wants to help make your ownership dreams a reality. Contact a member of the Ownership Concierge team by email at owners at ustrotting.com or by calling 877-800-8782, extension 5555.
We're back on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Mike Bozich along with Mike Carter. It's time for our Inside Handicapping segment, and it is sponsored by our good friends at Midwest Harness Report. Visit them online at MidwestHarnessReport.com. But we are joined by a Michigan legend at this time. His name is Moose Zonchik. Uh, Moose famous for being in the band, fronting the band. Moose and the Sharks, they're up for nomination in the Michigan Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, as a matter of fact. And I know that's going to be very exciting. Moose is also the host of the After Benny Show. It's on Facebook Live. Make sure you check that out and follow Moose on Facebook. Moose, how are you today? You're live from beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada. Las Vegas is beautiful right now. It's 65 degrees and sunny. And hi, everybody, and uh, hi, all you handicappers out here. Let's get to work, Mike. All right. Let's first talk about, before we get into the nuts and bolts of handicapping, let's talk about how you got started in the sport of harness racing. Well, I, I basically, the band is working five days a week. I would have a couple days off. And I didn't want to go see other bands because here I am around loud music and people screaming and drinking five days a week. So what did I do? I wanted to go to uh, a racetrack and, and, of course, in the evening uh, and uh, be around people that were screaming and drinking and looking at horses instead of of rock and roll. So that's the way I went. And and I learned real quickly that I could take 50 bucks with me and walk out of there with 70 and $80. And I was tickled pink that I could make 30 bucks back then and I found out I was pretty good at it so uh, after a couple years of you know going on and off and on and off I actually uh, uh, purchased a a standard bred horse and got more involved in the business and wound up probably owning 35 different standard bred horses and uh, and helping train them and uh, of course uh, classify them and uh, then uh, my trainer partner at the time moved into the race office, and I kind of just divested myself of that and just became another harness fan. So, Moose, you've been on both ends of the token. You've been a, a, a gambler, kind of making money from the gambling point of view, and you've also dabbled in horse owning. And I guess it would, you know, the fact that you were a horse owner and you were kind of hands-on and you see exactly what happens in between starts on a daily basis, I guess that kind of helped your handicapping out some and put that in perspective, didn't it? Well, yeah, that, that's a really good point. Uh, the first thing I learned, the absolute first thing I learned about owning a horse, the minute you put it in the box to race, and the race really starts at the draw sheet when you get to look at your competition. And right away, if your trainer is is on top of things, and you're on top of things, you know who the other good horses are in the race. And many times... Uh, you will say, geez, I can't beat this horse. My horse can't beat this one. My horse can't beat that one. So um, immediately when you draw outside, you're hoping to get a fourth and fifth place check, although you may be six or seven to one in the program. So there's quite a bit of difference. A handicapper will look at the program as his first step. The horseman looks at the draw sheet as his first step. That's a very, very interesting point and some, uh, certainly a different kind of analysis from what we've heard on this Inside Handicapping segment before visiting with Moose Zonchik. Now, Moose, let's, uh, and obviously you've been in them shoes 
uh, as well, uh, being a guy that the first thing they do is they look at the, the program page and they start to handicap, you know, based on different factors, based on form, based on class. When you look at the page from a handicapping point of view, from a gambler's point of view, what are some of the first things that you look at when you start to handicap a race? The, the absolute first thing I look at is, does the horse win? Some horses like to win a lot. Other ones don't. It's kind of like home run hitters in baseball. Some are line drive hitters. Some hit a lot of triples. Some hit a lot of home runs. Go for one that likes to win. And the easiest way to figure this out is if a horse can win one out of seven races, seven starts, it's a viable candidate. If it's winning one out of 30 starts, well, unless it's dropping in class a large amount and getting a good post position, you probably don't want to bet that horse. Moose, I've had a chance to uh, sit with you and work with you a little bit at Hazel Park back in Michigan. I know your band plays uh, Moose and the Sharks plays there a lot. Obviously, you guys have been nominated for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in the state of Michigan. By the way, good luck for that. And, and uh, by the way, at the end of this uh, interview, we'll make sure we give our listeners uh, an opportunity to vote for you to try to get into the Michigan Hall of Fame, which is certainly something well-deserved. Okay. But you know what, Moose? We've, you know, I've I, I've sat with you and I've seen how you kind of uh, you know take apart these races a little bit, and we've talked about you know who to bet and how to bet, and I think how to bet is just as important as who to bet, and we've talked about ticket construction, and I got to tell you you've put together quite some tick a lot of tickets like exactas and trifectas in the order that you put them in that I look at and I'm like wow that's kind of strange but there's a method behind the madness give us a little bit of an insight on ticket construction as far as putting together these exactas trifectas and these superfectas and pick four tickets what are some of your tips well I actually usually work backwards. I don't know about you, but I will look at a race field of, let's say, nine horses. I immediately know that unlike thoroughbred horses, standard bred horses pay five positions to their owners. So you have a first, second, third, fourth, and fifth place money. So four horses are going to miss money. I want to identify those four horses I think are not going to get a check. Uh, and by that, I mean... You know, horses on the outside that have no speed, uh, a horse with an uh, 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 inferior driver or trainer, or one that's just off form, or one that's moving far up in class or coming off a layoff. Uh, so I will do that. Then I'll, get, I'll whittle it down to maybe the top four. And from there, I will use the uh, approach of best driver, uh, maybe class uh, uh, relief, and even uh, has a, have the betters been actually betting the horse? Let me tell you a real quick story. When I owned a horse, uh, I bought a horse in Chicago, brought it to Michigan, and it, it had won a race at Hawthorne, and it, it wasn't racing good at the current time. And I put a driver on it, and the driver did this, and it's probably something you may have never heard of. He added up the lengths the horse had been beat over the last uh, five races, then he divided by five, and he says this animal has been beaten seven, seven lengths consistently over the last five races. Well, he tried to drive it so it would 
get beat by like three or four lengths. He gave it, tried to give it the trip, and he did successfully do that. So that's actually a, a clue right there for handicappers. Look and see how many lengths these horses are getting beat consistently by. And I think you'd probably agree with that, right? Yeah, no question about it. That's a, certainly an interesting way to take a look at it. Moose, we were talking a little bit off the air about a lot of these computer programs now that have taken, uh, you know, that have taken hold. I mean, you've got computer programs uh, picking horses, obviously rating horses, uh, you know, assigning it a program uh, like a power number, and even to the point to where you've got a lot of these computer programs that are assigning horses a morning line. Now we were talking a little bit off the air about the fundamentals of handicapping perhaps getting lost in all of this. Is that true sometimes to, you know, when you're trying to pick winners to get back to the fundamentals of handicapping, the A, B, and C? Well, well, absolutely. That's why you can find a 12-to-1 shot better than win money. <laughs> but uh, the, the reason for that is that the computer doesn't doesn't get into the human factor of of, handy, uh, of, of owning a horse. Uh, for example, uh, I get the draw sheet. I think my horse has a shot. Time to get new shoes, some rim pads, uh, maybe rub the horse down a little bit, train him up a little bit tighter, and then go to a better driver and say, hey, listen, I've had a C-type driver. I want to get an A driver on this, and we want to leave tonight. Uh, for example, uh, a computer can't tell that there's a big difference between uh, a horse racing with a blind bridle at the rail who all of a sudden gets the same rail the next week and goes to an open bridle. That's a big change for a horse. Uh, so there's, there's equipment changes involved, and the computer can't get into that. There's a human factor of what the trainer is approaching to do every race, and there's even the human factor of the uh, driver in there. So, uh, yes, the computers are good. The, what I call the black power figures are good, but they do not tell the whole story. Moose Zonchik visiting with him. It's our Inside Handicapping segment sponsored by our good friends at Midwest Harness Report. Moose, uh, let's put it in a nutshell. Let's kind of wrap this thing up a little bit. What do you think the most overrated thing that a gambler looks for on the program sheet is maybe some of the things that you know they look at and they're like wow this is pretty awesome but in all honesty it's kind of overrated the biggest thing for me is this a horse will come out and win two starts convincingly and then it comes out for its third start well they the horses have to move up in class also the biggest thing is most horses, there are exceptions, and the great horses don't have their form for very long. Two races, three races, and then all of a sudden it's off form. Well, do you want to bet it when it's coming off form? No. So you've got to actually look at the post parade. Thoroughbred horses, when you see a horse that's acting up, uh, it's uh, maybe on the bit, those are horses that the thoroughbred people don't like to bet. Harness racing, when that horse hits the track and his ears are forward, you'll know this, Mike, you watch him, that horse's ears are forward. He's looking at the, the horse is looking at the other horses. He's maybe tugging a little bit on the, uh, on the line, so the driver has to uh, maybe, you know, say, hey, not, not yet, quite yet. You know he's ready to race. And, and that's something that the computer can't tell you. Is the horse ready to race? 
So that's what I think they, they miss is looking at the post parade and even the equipment also. Uh, you know, I mean, most tracks used to go, uh, you know, change of fueling, change of bridle, change of hobbles. Uh, there's certain equipment that is probably not desirable on a horse, such as a Murphy blind. The minute you see that, you know the horse is lame somewhere. The minute you see front leg wraps, you know it's lame somewhere. Uh, it, it, the back wraps, if it's a trotter, that's normal. If there's back wraps on a pacer, usually means there's a problem with the suspensory in the back, and uh, that could be problematic because all horses get 90% of their power from the back end. You knew that, right, Mike? Yeah, well, I can't say that I did, actually, but I certainly know it now. Good stuff, Moose, good stuff. You know what? Let me ask you this uh, before we uh, wrap things up. Warm-ups, like, you know, we've got horses that come out, uh, you know, 45 minutes or an hour before they actually race, and they do a couple of trips around the track. What are some of the things we could look look for in in warm-ups, if anything? Uh, Well, uh, the, the vets have told me, that a warm-up is specifically for the horse to empty out. That's all it's for. But as far as I'm concerned, they used to years ago. And I don't know, do they turn the horses very much uh, at your track? Some do and some some do and some don't. Okay, well, when when they do, uh, they will always do this. And it's something to watch for. They will always go the first half slower than the second half, almost always. And uh, if you want to see what that horse is going to look like after they turn them, look at that second half. And you might even want to take out your clock and look at it. If it's, if it's anything more than or less than like a minute five home, uh, that's a pretty, pretty good warm-up. If you're just looking at a horse casually, I always would tell anybody that just comes to the track for the first time, imagine a dog in the yard looking at a squirrel in the yard. The dog runs after the squirrel, and the squirrel runs up the tree. This dog is doing what comes naturally, and he's having fun chasing the squirrel. Well, horses have the same fun when they race. So try to get one that looks like he's on the track and he's ready to go. Uh, and- all right, we're back on first step with Mike and Mike presented by Bet America. We did have some technical difficulties in the last couple of minutes of uh, uh, Moose's interview, and we recorded it, Mike. But uh, nonetheless, good stuff uh, for handicapping. And uh, vote for our good friend Moose. He's, uh, him and his band have been nominated to the Michigan Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Mike. That's got to be a, a tremendous honor. And uh, make sure uh, you follow Moose on Facebook. And uh, I'm not quite sure the website that you can vote for Moose, but uh, do it a, a Google search, and I'm sure that'll uh, get you in the right direction. But good stuff you, there from our good friend Moose, Mike. Do you even know what Google is? I, 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 I graduated from the listen. I graduated from the Yahoo School. I'm I'm up to Google now. Ah, oh, okay. I got you. I got you. I guess you see, you know, uh, when uh, when I give my speech next month, uh, I made sure to throw some of your technical gaffes in there. But uh, no, good stuff. Uh, good stuff from the moose. Uh, he, had, he had some good information for us, that's for sure. Yeah, no question about it. Of course, there was our Inside Handicapping segment. It is brought to you by Midwest Harness Report. Make sure you visit them online at MidwestHarnessReport.com. You can also uh, find the uh, attractive Midwest Harness Report banner on our Handicappers Corner section of the website. We're going to take one final time out. We'll wrap this thing up when we come back and post time with Mike and Mike presented by Bet America. 
Embroidery Unlimited is a premier provider of quality embroidery, screen printing, and promotional products. Our commitment to quality and pride in our work is second to none. We focus on quality and customer service. For all of your stable or business needs, Embroidery Unlimited is the number one provider in harness racing. Give Jim Winsky a call at 508-485-5522. That's 508-485-5522. Or visit them on the internet at embroideryunl.com. That's embroideryunl.com. Embroidery Unlimited. Now at Bet America, every track is a bonus track. Earn rewards points for every wager you make on every track. We also offer more points for all exotic wagers. And don't forget about our weekly promos. Check our calendar to see how you can earn double points on featured tracks and races. Sign up for Bet America today to start earning points and get up to a $400 bonus with our new 200% deposit match. See our website for reward points, state restrictions. Time to wrap this thing up here on Post Time with Mike and Mike presented by Bet America. Lots of good information uh, this week, Mike. And uh, I'll tell you what, this was a very fun show to have, that's for sure. Yeah, it was it was kind of a, a serious show, obviously, with the uh, new rule and everything and, and all that stuff going on. So we certainly appreciate everybody joining us. Uh, good stuff. Thanks to all of our guests, Jim Miller, Moose Zonchik, uh, obviously Clay Horner, and John Bootenshane as well. And uh, I guess it's uh, time to wrap things up, my friend, and happy birthday to you, celebrating your 30th. I know you'll be doing some celebrating tonight. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, thanks to everybody who took time to take the time out of their day to listen. Make sure you listen to the archive at betamerica.com backslash barn. We'll see everybody next week. Post time is 1030. Good night. No!